Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hello and welcome back for another episode of the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. I am your host, Brandon Laws. Hey, a quick note of apology. I believe I skipped a week on an episode and uh, sort of intentional, sort of not intentional. We've been doing a lot of uh, planning for 2018, a lot of strategy, and uh, just got really busy. And I've had material recorded, just haven't been able to spend the time to release an episode. So uh, I apologize for that. I I hope it won't happen again, but I cannot promise that. But very excited for today's episode. Um, today's guest is Victoria Dew. She is a communications expert who helps businesses with their internal communication so they can create a culture where people are empowered and engaged, uh, which sounds like every culture that we desire. Victoria has actually been a listener of this podcast, and that's how we met. Uh, we connected and we were just discussing some cool ideas about culture and, and how marketing and HR kind of need each other because we've talked about that on the podcast before. And I just love some of her ideas. So I asked her to come on the podcast and kind of talk about some of those things uh, live in a discussion. So uh, she's got some great ideas. I think you're really going to like this. Um, hang on to the very end because she actually provides some very, very tangible takeaways uh, and ways to effectively communicate across your organization. So I think you're really going to like what she has to say. Please give us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That's It's been huge for us and the growth of this podcast. Uh, continue to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Always appreciate that. I, I will mention this this time. I do have uh, an Instagram profile. I, I, I don't mind uh, announcing that. It's unlocked too, so you're welcome to follow me there as well. I, I spend a lot more time on Instagram nowadays than Facebook. Don't like what Facebook's become. I still use it every once in a while, but uh, Instagram, I, I do like to connect with people there as well. So feel free to connect with me, reach out to me. Uh, happy to, to talk with you. Um, anyways, enjoy today's episode with Victoria Dew. Hey, Victoria, it's good to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Hey, Brandon, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Uh, you're my favorite kind of guest. You're a, <laughs> you're, a, you're a listener who turned into a guest, and you've got a lot of valuable content. So I want to talk about your expertise, which is communication. We've talked on this podcast relentlessly about the employer brand. I bring it up a lot because I'm a marketing guy, and I think you get that. It's you know the culture piece and just talking about it externally is so important to businesses nowadays. And I think what we haven't really discussed on this podcast is at the at the most detailed level, like what can HR people do to do communications the right way and and communicate the the culture. So let's let's first dive in and talk about uh, and I want you to kind of outline it for me. 
and for listeners who maybe haven't caught our last podcast, why is the employer brand important? Why is talking about culture important in the first place? Well, so the I really think about your culture is your brand, mm-hmm. and it starts from within inside the company. So I think about it as branding from the inside out, um, how you tell your company's story to yourselves and the market. And um, and it's important, and I think um, you cover this in so many great ways in, in different episodes of the podcast, um, that it's about having a really consistent narrative, uh, being very clear on the mission, vision, values, internal culture of a, cent- of a company, what I call the nuggety center. <laughs> so really knowing who that in- what the internal authentic brand is, who you are, who you want to be, what you stand for. Uh, the kinds of behaviors that you tolerate, what you celebrate, and, and and how you want to work together as a team. And I don't personally believe that you can develop an authentic external brand uh, until you know, until you've kind of done that inner work. You know, I sometimes talk about uh, culture as being like kale for a, your business. You know, when the inside is healthy, the outside looks amazing. But an employer brand, which you mentioned, is part of that, right? The employer brand is part of how we talk to our uh, current, future, prospective um, candidates and and team members about who we are, and especially in terms of when it comes to recruiting, making sure that we're recruiting people who are going to be a culture fit, mm-hmm. um, and that that culture is defined based on a sort of objective set of criteria like our values, who we are, just not just who we want to hang out with, but um, but that that employer brand is a really genuine, accurate reflection of who we are as a company. And you bring up such a good point because we've talked about the employer brand a lot, which is usually that byproduct of of working it from the inside out, the developing the culture, developing the mission, vision, values first, figuring out who we are, and then the 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 great employer brand that everybody else sees is sort of the byproduct of that, right? So, our our small this is our audience, small companies for the most part, have they done a good job of developing from the inside out? I think small companies in some ways tend to be at a little bit of a disadvantage, mm. right, from a resourcing perspective. And that HR in some sense uh, owns culture and um, that that uh, marketing may work with HR to develop some of those external... <laughs> if they have uh, marketing. <laughs> some of those external representations. But in terms of really doing some of the work um, to communicate and amplify that culture internally, I think it's harder from a resourcing perspective. And also because the reality is that HR and communications are actually two separate disciplines. And the things, you know, really those two functions are really birds of a feather, but, um, but really need each other to make that culture, uh, to really bring that to life. Do HR and communications experts, they know that they need each other? Do they come together and say, hey, we need to work together? Like, does that even come up? I've seen it work really well in larger companies. Mm-hmm. And when it works well, when HR and communications uh, work well together, it's like a symphony. You know, it's all the pieces of the people puzzle coming together in, in one. And uh, it can be really transformative for a company when they work well together. Well, you mentioned like large companies, they seemingly they have their resources. They have they know that marketing, communications, HR, they need to work together because it's going to develop, you know, internally communications can be a lot better, but externally they're going to, they're really going to figure it out. I don't, do small businesses even recognize that's an option or do they even have the resources? 
You know, I think, well, first of all, I think every company of every size is always resource hungry, right? Yeah, There's never enough money. There's never enough headcount to do what you want to do. I think you're so calling me a- out. I've been saying that lately. <laughs> like, I need more resources. <laughs> Everyone at every size company sees that. And I'm sure what what we always say is we need to work smarter, right? Uh, And part of that is really leveraging that partnership uh, with HR. And um, that's why I'm passionate about providing that support to HR. Um, I think uh, companies more and more are realizing, small businesses are realizing more and more that they need to take this seriously. You know, one of the things I hear again and again from uh, even very small companies who are just starting out is, you know, with one, two, three employees bringing on their first people, what they say to me is, we really want to get this right. We, as we bring on, we know we're building a team and, you know, especially going from sort of a, even a solopreneur to having a small team of five or 10, they said, we want to get this right. We want to build this infrastructure right from the ground up. And I love hearing that. That's like music to my ears, right? Um, because the truth is that uh, in smaller companies, if you don't have, if you don't understand what that real return on investment in your culture is, you know, you're putting your business at risk. Uh, and you're definitely not going to be able to grow as fast as you could be. Because one of the great things about uh, now, and this hasn't always been true in my career, is that we know what some of the ROI on culture is, right? We know how it affects your recruitment and retention efforts. We know that it increases your your market returns. Uh, we know that it improves innovation and productivity and work quality. Um, so I think uh, small businesses really are um, – are realizing that, that they need to take this seriously. It's, I'm glad you brought up like the the data says all this because I often think like, okay, people like me, I get up on a podcast, get up on my soapbox and I say, hey, culture needs to be developed. The employer brand needs to be developed, blah, blah, blah. But that like, I'm not talking about any data and the ROI. What does the data say about this and how culture is actually important? I know you yeah. have. I know you have some information. <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Well, I feel like I've been, I, you know, I've been doing this work for a long time, and uh, and I feel, and for many years, um, it was hard to get data. We knew this was better for a business, but we didn't have the data. That's really how, in my view, employee engagement became such an important metric. Um, I think employee engagement is important, but not doesn't tell the whole story of employee experience. The reason engagement scores have become um, valuable is because it was one way that we could disaggregate how culture was affecting the business. But now we have so much more research. You know, um, Great Place to Work has some amazing uh, data on how top cultures around the world um, perform, how customer experience is uh, is improved, about how it improves innovation, uh, how... um, uh, those high trust companies uh, have 3x market returns. Um, the numbers you see on retention are, are vary anywhere from sort of 25% less attrition to uh, 50% less attrition. Um, and then you talk about employer brand, and there's that whole employee life cycle and how culture affects every stage of an employee of life cycle. Uh, I've done a lot of work in manufacturing sector where safety is an issue, and um, and there's massive something like 48% according to Gallup. Um, fewer safety incidents in in high in uh, strong cultures and high trust cultures with uh, highly engaged employees. So there is just so much data that's coming thick and fast, and um, it's a really exciting time to be in the area in this area. You mentioned so the culture piece tends to fall on HR, and we know communication is needed, but 
maybe in small businesses, HR things they have to do, everything. So I, in my my opinion, these are very different skill sets. HR, they're really good at with people. Communication, they're obviously good at messaging, simplifying complex messaging for, for other people. How do these two skill sets work together? How do, how do each of these departments complement each other? I think what you said is so right on. It is, well, it is that people connection. And I think that both HR and communications really get at their at their mm. core, have this shared passion for people and culture and employee experience. And both of them understand that it's not just a nice to have. You know, this isn't just about making people feel people feel good or having a ping pong table. You know, they both uh, both disciplines really do understand uh, the, this as a business imperative. And you know, both disciplines have also been fighting for a long time for a seat at the table and to be yeah. uh, regarded as a strategic uh, advisor and as a strategic partner in the business. And so it's really sort of a golden age uh, for both HR and communications because this people piece is becoming so paramount. Um, and we see it so clearly in brands that really understand what well, I say that I say that CX equals EX and uh, sorry, EX equals CX and CX equals cash, right? Your employee experience equals your customer experience and your customer experience is your revenue, Right. So um, we see that link so clearly that if you don't have that really strong uh, uh, internal brand um, that that you can't deliver a strong uh, customer experience. And we see that in um, companies like Southwest and Zappos and a million others, Tom's. And, yeah. um, but so both both disciplines really do share that understanding. And you're right that, that they are different skill sets. And HR is uh, I'm not an HR practitioner, but of course, what I do as a communications consultant goes right up to the edge of, of, of HR. And obviously, I've partnered with HR teams closely for a long time. But um what I see sometimes is is HR practitioners are really great program managers, you know, and they have really excellent programs, uh, let's say, around open enrollment or performance management or um, uh, some of those pieces. And there's then it comes to how do we tell – I think there are some missed opportunities in creating culture with even some of our regular HR pieces. So – uh, performance management. How is performance management telling the story of how do we live our values every day? How are we connecting that? How are the re the behaviors that we reward, um, the things that we celebrate? How are those an amplification uh, and a sort of surround sound of our values? Um, and also, I think there's a a process piece that gets very heavy in HR um, because there is so much process. Uh, and communications can really help by really putting the audience and the employee back at the center of the communications. And that's that old um, thing, what's in it for me. Um, and that's one of the first things that ways that I like to help HR is to, is to sort of really help them put the, the person back at the mm -hmm. center of the great HR work they're doing. So if like a small company, they have like the best culture that in their mind, they have, they have an amazing culture but they're missing that communication piece, whether it is a little bit of internal communication, but it also externally, what happens to that culture if nobody knows how great it is? Internally or externally? I, I, I would think externally, nobody knows about it. Prospective employees don't know about it. Customers don't know about it. 
If you have a great, I would argue that if you have a great culture internally, and by that I mean a really strong employee experience, yeah. um, and we could talk about that, is I would argue that your customers probably do know about yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I would think too. Their experience of your business is uh, they are experiencing your employees' experience, right? Um, through their work with them and through those touch points and engagements. Um, but you're right. There's a missed opportunity in terms of employer brand uh, and in terms of being able to really recruit um, um, great talent. And there's also, um, you know, we've talked, uh, you had uh, Roberta Madison on the show mm-hmm. yeah. uh, back talking about magnetic leadership, right? And that's also so important in that retention piece. Um, but leadership is such a critical part of how you communicate a strong culture because it really does have to come from the top and um, it really does take that con- that consistency and commitment of walking the walk and talking the talk. Yeah, I think that's why it's interesting. It's like you could have this, like leadership could have this vision for what they want this culture to be, but they maybe don't do a great enough job of of integrating it and in, kind of like the way you, you talked about, like in all their performance management or like just always talking about it because if they do it once in a while, I don't think it's going to stick the way if you had it integrated in everything that they're doing the way it would, right? Yeah. And that's the difference that great communications can make because um, you have that, it gives you that framework and that strategy and that consistency of messaging and telling the the culture story and telling the story of our values in a whole range of different ways and giving it that 360 kind of surround sound so that every touch point with leadership or with HR or with uh, different initiatives throughout the business is an expression of the culture of the values. This is how we're bringing these to life. What kind of things should be communicated internally? What kinds of things should be communicated internally? You know, the, the, way, biggest... the, the way in which we're talking about it, the way like the opportunity that's there to, you know, restate the mission, vision values to make a very consistent experience across every touch point. So like one thing that comes to mind is like you have different departments sending out memos for various reasons. Like it could be, hey, open enrollment's happening. And then, you know, another department's saying, hey, the holiday party's coming up. How do you make those very consistent? Do you, you know what I mean by that? Right. I do. And uh, I do know. And it's it's exactly where a communications function can help you keep all of those, uh, all of those very different initiatives in sync with one another. Um, first of all, from a trafficking perspective, right? So that you're not, and of course it depends on the size of your company and the style of your company, how many emails are going out, but, um, making sure that, um, all the messaging is, is consistent and that it tells little pieces of the brand story all the way around. Right. Um, but in terms of what companies should be communicating, you know, I think there's one, Uh, I have one really big answer to that question, which is the most important thing that a company can communicate is, uh, is to help employees know, I know how my work that I do every day in my role, I know how that fits into the big picture and how that's helping us to achieve Mm. our goals, you know, and that is at the most, um, um, tactical sort of business, uh, imperative reason the reason why communications is important because there's a whole range of other ways around that, uh, 
why that's important and how that employee would know how their pe- how their work fits into the big picture. But part of it is the kind of context, information, uh, understanding they have of shared values and what their employee experience is. And all of those things contribute to their ability to do their job to a very high standard and to contribute to, the, to business success, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you increase innovation. You know, I always say, uh, employees are not like a cactus, you know, they don't thrive on neglect. You can't take these, you know, little people and put them mm. in a closet and expect them to thrive. Um, they have to be, they have to be tended to consistently. And that's, I think, a, an area that both HR and communications are so passionate about. I think one other like huge opportunity just in this whole culture piece and, and communicating is making sure that it's a two-way street when it comes to communication. Because what I've found is you could send out the memos and you could you could put culture pieces into your performance process and it's it's very a one it's a one di- directional communication versus if you give employees a chance to participate and uh, to your point be tied to the to that greater outcome or the greater good or or whatever our business objectives are i think it takes on a life of itself I think it's absolutely necessary to have that, not just participation, but co-creation in the culture. Um, And you're right. We've been talking about it in a very sort of uh, one-way, what we call uh, asymmetrical communication. It is so important. And I think, to be honest, uh, we see in generational shifts that that younger generations absolutely won't tolerate anything else. I agree. there's absolutely no option but to co-create um, that culture and to and to have those touch points, those opportunities for engagement, which also makes it a bigger job, right? Yeah, it does. One way to, that one way that um, companies do that successfully is to really, uh, and this goes back to the employer brand and helping to create a strong employer brand is by helping their employees to be strong brand ambassadors. Um, so in social media, sharing what's going on in the company, out, you know, outside the company, so that through their networks and through their own social channels, they're starting to build that uh, that employer brand for you. And that's a great opportunity for, you know, some companies do it really well. Other companies get nervous about it. Um, and there's some. Yeah, rightly so. I get, I get it. it. You want to, you want to control the brand to a certain extent, but. You know, there's, know. you can't, you almost can't control anything that em- employees no. do uh, externally, which is also why giving them a really strong uh, ex- employee experience within the company is, is, is important because they can, because, uh, they can say and do anything they want to, yeah. to, to damage your brand outside the company. And I think we've seen some examples of that in the media recently. Um, and so, but there's such great opportunity to really take them along on the journey with you and to build this, uh, this great big, uh, um, culture mm-hmm. that helps your business grow and improves, um, you know, your productivity, revenue results, uh, and makes your company stronger. I think a lot of times it just comes down to trust. Like you got to trust that your people are going to do the right thing and, and stop trying to control them so much to where if you unlock, you know, the social media engagement, maybe they'll do the right thing, right? They'll, they'll engage with your brand in a way that people who are just onlookers, they'll see it and say, wow, that looks like a pretty cool place to work. looks like they care about their people. 
You know, I think you really hit on a really key point, uh, which is that um, is the importance of trust and creating a high trust culture. And I always say that uh, culture is like the silver bullet for uh, for a business, but trust is the silver bullet for culture. Yes. And there's been so much amazing research. There's a great uh, piece of research on the neuroscience of trust. It was in the Harvard Business Review, and his name is Paul Zak, and he's written a book called The Trust Factor. There's some really great research on the the metrics of of having a high trust culture at work, uh, and that those employees who work in high trust environments report something like 40% less burnout, wow. uh, 106% more energy at work. They've got 13% fewer sick days uh, and report 50% higher productivity at work. So um, how you create a, a culture of trust, right? And it really comes down to psychologically safety. It's psychological safety. I feel that I can trust the people around me and that they trust me, right? And when you have that, you're right, it does answer a lot of those questions about brand ambassadors mm-hmm. and um, and how to, how to really uh, help your employees to tell your brand story inside and out. So I think a lot, a lot of what we're talking about today is obviously HR, you're really figuring out how to work with communications teams to effectively communicate. Obviously, leadership it starts with leadership with this stuff. But and we talked a little bit about how employees can engage and really ha- have the really have the culture come through in everything that they're doing. What can employees do to really play a huge role in communicating culture? If if there's I, any one answer, <laughs> it's a kind of a uh, big question. So I think it is the responsibility of the company and of leadership to engage those uh, to to engage employees first. But I will say, you should already have recruited the people that are going to be those yeah. real brand zealots for you, right? You should have hired the people that are already in love with your brand because you recruited them for for your culture. Um, and of course, many companies uh, go about it a different way and will do a culture change piece of work later. And I've also seen that be very successful. It's a harder way to do it, but it absolutely 100% can be done. And it's really magical to watch it because it takes a while, but it's like, uh, it's really transformative to see companies change their culture from the inside out. But I will say that the tips there are that that takes absolute uh, leadership commitment and mm-hmm. consistency staying the course. I would say, though, in terms of how to communicate with employees, you know, first of all, in terms of your – and it's, of course, different for every business and the size. But uh, in terms of communications channels, you know, go where they are. Go what works, you know, for them. Um, and it's not one size fits all. And so if your employees are on Slack and you want to create yeah. a community on Slack, then do that. If people like to get together in person and you have, you know, these days not having hundred percent remote teams is getting to be more and more of a luxury. Um, but figuring out how to build that, uh, that cohesion, uh, with teams and then really making the most of it. I want to tap into that communication brain of yours. So our audience, HR people, for the most part, a lot of, you know, small business leaders, I want to run through a couple different things and ask you very pointed questions about specific things they could do to communicate better. And we're going to assume that this is just HR people really having to take on that communication piece um, because they're small and lack of resources. Um, So how do you recommend structuring messages or memos to all employees. So that could be an email, could be something put on the bathroom door that people see. What do you do? How do you structure it? 
Yeah. The number one thing to remember, I think, and especially uh, in e- let's take an email communication, um, is to keep the content snackable. Right. Mm. Put the audience at the center of what you do and don't make messages too long. Really put your key messages right up front and especially a call to action. What do you want them to do? You know, sometimes I see um, HR teams put a lot about what the program is, why it's important, um, the history behind it. And then way down at the bottom, please go here and do this thing. Right. And that's not that's not uh, putting the audience at the center of your communication what you want them to do should go right up at the top and then talk about why it's important and what's in it for them. But really give them that opportunity to understand what's being asked of them mm-hmm. right from the top. Also remember, and this sounds it sounds sort of crazy, but um, 250 words is actually sort of the optimal email length now, which yeah. when you go to do it, that seems like really you can't say very much. And it is hard to provide a lot of context there. So you may want to have some of the deeper context coming through in other ways. But uh, after about 400 words, and when you do a word count, you'll realize that this doesn't get you very far. Mm -hmm. After 400 words, you've lost your audience. Yeah, I agree with that. I I skim those ones. (laughs) Right. So exactly. So and everyone, everyone skims them. Yeah. Uh, And it really doesn't matter how important it is because everyone has a hundred really important emails. So um, put the put the key message and the call to action right at the top and then all of the other important things about your program later so that they can dig down. Uh, I'm a big fan of bullet points. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Sometimes you do, obviously, in terms of documents, you know, you need longer documents. And I like headings, bolded headings that have basically the key message in the heading so that if you were scanning a three page document on something, you could skim just the headings and know what you were supposed to. You know, I find sometimes even in like, um, you know, newsletter articles or something that have a lot of links. I like it actually. In some ways, you want people not to have to click through for Mm. more context. You want them to be able to skim. Takes them away from the email, too. Yeah, just to skim it quickly and be like, okay, I know what, okay, I get the gist of that and I'm going to leave it in my inbox and then when I need to refer back to it, I can go back to it. What about all this new media that's coming out with, um, well, it just makes it so easy to like attach a voice memo or something to an email or even video to a certain extent. Do you, do you see employers doing any of that stuff or using multimedia within their email? I see a lot of it. I see companies adapting at different rates. Um, and I think the answer there is to do whatever works best for your, for your employees. And again, to go where they are, if that's how they're communicating with each other, that's how you can communicate with them too. Yeah, that's a good point. I just see it because for one, it's easy to do nowadays with the tools, but because, um, you want to try to integrate that human element to your culture and your brand video is nice. You get the audio, but, but you also see the person. Uh-huh. And I think there's so much about creating community, right? And especially in smaller businesses, um, doing what's going to sort of work for that tribe, you know, and a video. And if they, if employees respond to video and if that's what they use, then try it. And also be aware, of course, that there are so many new um, tools and apps that um, you'll try, you may try things and in six months you may drop it and move on to something else because, because, uh, because the platforms have moved on. Okay. So we talked about messages, memos. What about feedback loops? So making sure that there's some sort of two-way communication. What do do employees need from you as an employer? What do they think about the culture? You know, those sort of things. 
I think there are, you know, we still have the sort of classic, uh, the classic employee engagement surveys. And I really do think there is a place for those. Um, but I think they can't be treated in, in isolation, uh, in that you need, you do need more sort of 360 feedback yeah. around. You know, one of the biggest feedback loops is honestly some of these business metrics. You know, I personally don't believe in, um, in terms of communications, I don't do anything because it's nice to do. I do it because it drives business results. Intentional. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I think HR practitioners feel the same way. So, um, you know, go back to those business metrics. You know, you can survey people all day long if you want to, but what are your recruitment and retention rates look like? What are you, you know, how strong is your employer brand? Uh, what kind of productivity are you seeing? You know, where are you getting, you know, how, what are, what is going on with revenue and how is your company growing? Um, so a lot of those metrics you can, you can trace back to um, how well your team is performing. What about recognition programs how are you communicating recognition peers to your 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 people that report to you anything like that that could help enhance the culture recognition is such an interesting area and it's um and of course this is another area of course there's such huge overlap with hr but i have this um there's really interesting new research that i've experienced myself in my own career uh, as being true which is um that recognition really doesn't have to be monetary or it doesn't even have to be an yeah, Amazon card. Agreed. You know, uh, some of the best recognition I've ever gotten was um, we had a leader who uh, every week in the team meeting would write on a little postcard. He'd have an employee of the week, you know, and just write a little postcard about something that had happened during the week and what he'd recognized and he'd seen in you. And uh, everyone would get in person, we'd announce the employee of the week. And it was just kind of sweet. And people would tack up their little postcards. And there was this thing of having been seen by this leader that we all really admired. There's a lot of new research that, in fact, monetary recognition, if it's not sustained consistently, it, the productivity drops off. Whereas non-monetary recognition, uh, um, when you give it once, even if it's not repeated, you don't win Employee of the Week every week, you still, uh, you still retain those productivity gains. So it's a really interesting area. But again, it, it goes back to that trust and transparency, right? It's that you feel like you're part of uh, a high trust culture that you um, you can trust that you're trusted and the people and that you can trust the people that you work with. Okay, my last one for you that I, I want help on communication. How do you put mission, vision, values on display? Because a lot of times, you know, leaders of a company and executive team they'll they'll create it in their little silo, and then what do they do with it? How do, how does the rest of the organization use it? Well, first, I wish they would not create it in their little <laughs> side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was our point about like getting people involved, right? There's two ways. When a company is very small, uh, it's perfectly appropriate for founders of those first kind of, you know, five, ten people to create it themselves. And when I do this work with clients, I have a whole framework to do it for. I think that mission, vision, values should, first of all, be developed to reflect your internal brand, who you are to each other. You can They can be translated to reflect back out to the market um, very easily. But the most important thing is to define it for yourselves internally. Um, and then how you, and then when you have a larger company, uh, you can co-create, that's a great opportunity to co-create values, especially, and you can do that through surveys and focus groups. And it's a really interesting balance in that case between being, um, how do you have, how do you co-create that mission vision values? 
uh, without it becoming a democracy, right? So that's always, that's an interesting balance. But then how do you communicate them? Um, I think you do need artifacts. You do need to put that, you know, you do need to put posters up on the wall. And I think the magic thing is, you know, we always have these images of those really cheesy posters of, you know, in conference room walls that say like ambition and stuff like sailing a boat or something, right? And they make us cringe, you know? But I think that if you're in your company, you've gotten together or your or your leaders, you know, you really at your core believe that ambition is a core value. And every time you look at that poster, you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm that guy on the boat, you know? And so I think that as long as the mission vision values feel really authentic to you and that you keep telling the story consistently, uh, then then they then 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 that's how you build a strong internal brand. So it is both the sort of um, the artifacts and um, and it is how you talk about them. How, how else do you, like how so how do you talk about it? Do you talk about it in team meetings? Do you you know restate it over and over? Do you put it in materials out to your employees? Like what are, what are some ways that HR can sort of like sprinkle it in there? So let's take the example of performance management, and you have a value called uh, let's let's take integrity, right? Because sure. it's, a little it's the one everybody less, uses. Sure. Uh, <laughs> In, when you're talking about your performance management and your performance management framework and why we do, so we're going to have these, uh, we're going to have these kinds of reviews and they're going to, we're going to go about them this way, right? And this is how we structure our um, performance management process. Um, there's an opportunity in there to explain about how integrity feeds into that. And at first, right, I chose that value because it doesn't seem super obvious because people think integrity is just not about stealing, you know, about not stealing stationary. But integrity can also in that performance management um, realm be about the way you hold yourself to account in doing your self-evaluations and the, um, Mm. and the way that you approach your, your own relationship with taking ownership of your performance and of having those conversations with your leader, right? So you can pick up something like that and look at it from an unexpected angle to reveal another facet that you want to bring out and you want to bring through in performance management. And that shifts, and then that totally shifts the conversation, right? You're not just having a conversation about performance reviews. You're having a conversation about the way that we go about them and the way we treat ourselves and our colleagues in that process. I love it. Well, this has been a really fun conversation. We're we we could talk forever. I think. Um, well, we could talk forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's been seriously. It's been a lot of fun, and I th- I appreciate the, the fact that you've dropped so many uh, great nuggets and great takeaways for HR practitioners uh, that they can take with them and actually start implementing. Uh, communication is really hard. I'm a marketing guy, and I still struggle with it all the time. And it's it's all about you know making sure it's simple digestible for your employees to make sure it sticks. And I think, I think you helped us with that. You helped me with it for sure. What else do you want to talk about? Do you uh, want to talk about your, your business? What are you up to? Where can people find your work? Anything else that you're doing? Sure. Yeah. So I have a communications consultancy that's focused really just on this area on working with small businesses, smaller businesses. So, you know, it's funny because uh, many people say, oh, what size? And they want a yeah. dollar value, right? And I think of that as being anywhere from sort of about three to 300 employees mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because that's the size where, first of all, uh, I know that improved communications can make a huge impact on the business, and uh, and that and that what, any larger than about 300, and it does vary by company. Obviously, uh, that's the time when they really need to have someone on on board full time. 
doing employee communications. Um, but looking at first, how do you build, you know, if you don't have mission, vision, values, how do you create those and how do you really start to create that brand from the inside out? Um, and then putting together really practical communications plans and strategies um, that you can implement to do that commu- uh, communications consistently. Um, we talked about being able to look at all those different initiatives and put and put consistent communications against them and make sure that that messaging is thing. And um, so I help businesses uh, put together those plans and then, of course, implement them as needed. And then there's always a piece, too, which is a coaching piece around um, sometimes this um, – Communications doesn't come naturally to to everyone, and especially with leadership, helping them um, really build the company and the culture that they want to, um, that they're looking to create. And then then my favorite part, you know, our partner is the ability to partner with HR to support them uh, in, in, in really bringing the, the, their culture to, to life. I think so many HR practitioners and small businesses feel like they have this, they have this really great opportunity, um, but need a little extra support to really make it sing. Um, and so that's what I get excited about. Um, my company is based in Boston and I have clients in Los Angeles and they also work virtually with people, uh, everywhere. And you can find me at dewpointcoms, C-O-M-M-S.com, dewpointcoms.com. And please also feel free to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. We'll definitely make sure to put the links up to your website, LinkedIn, on the show notes. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast, Victoria. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Brendan. I'm a big fan. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.